Welcome everyone to another episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast. I am Matt. I am Snide Kyle. I'm Brian. And tonight with us we have a very special host filling in for Corbin who couldn't be here tonight. We have Travis from Comic Exposure. Welcome Travis. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'll be the guy peeing every 15 minutes. So if you don't see me, that's where I am. There you go. Appreciate you filling in for Corbin tonight who uh, decided he wanted to go out on a hot date. Okay, but Adam when I fill in for Corbin, him. guys, I do not want to take all of Corbin's shit. I'm not taking that. <laughs> I refuse to be your whipping boy. I don't blame you. <coughs> no, that's... Yeah, I, gotta, I gotta say, Travis, I like your setup, man. Oh, thank you, thank you, yeah. You know, there's something about... A, I don't even know how well this works, but I do love a good claw mic, or whatever the hell these things are. Boom mic? Yeah, boom mic's here. So uh, real quick, I, I just you know on the on the subject of uh, Travis's setup, you know you mentioned uh, if for you guys that don't know Travis sound is in Japan. Um, what's the uh, living um, spaces like over there? Is it super super tiny? Yeah, typically it's super tiny. Uh, so I have a, a government job out here, so the government pays for my housing, and uh, so they give you a pretty good housing allowance. So I get a big like, like Western style house. Cause I don't, I, I don't dig on the Japanese uh, style houses. I don't like the Tommy mats. They smell. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like, you know, like the low ceilings and and like having a bunch of little tiny rooms. Uh, so I got locked out. I'm actually, this is a pantry. Uh, I'm a bachelor, so I had this big pantry. I'm like, I, there's, I never have this much food. So now it's a pocket. You can see this is the washing machine. <laughs> so if you hear like a ding, it's just I'm like, oh, let me just get some uh, hot laundry out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm actually, let me change my name to Hot Laundry. Let me, how do yeah. I do that? <laughs> so yeah, but it's typically pretty small. But I, I, they gave me a pretty good. I got a pretty good setup here. So yeah, I like it, brother. Thank you. You're, you can never, you'll always be known as Hot Laundry on our show now. <laughs> hot Laundry. <laughs> All right, next up on stage, coming yeah. at you, Hot Laundry. <laughs> Make sure you hit up that ass and titty machine. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Where did you guys get the, uh, your intro, you guys have some people that are really kind of uh, queuing up your thing. You guys mean about cons, like Kevin Smith and things like that? Or how, where did you guys meet all the people who gave, gave the intro? Um... Or did you go to Fiverr and get people to do impressions? No, we did uh, <laughs> conventions and comedy shows mostly. Yeah. yeah, nice. Kevin Smith and Jay Muse at a comedy show at comedy shows, and then uh, all the comic book creators at different conventions. That's that's legit. I like that. That's a good setup. See, that's the good thing about when you you know if you get lucky enough to get an interview, you can ask them and they'll do it instead of paying them fifty dollars at their table to to say five words for you. Exactly. Yeah, that feels a little. Che- it feels like prostitution almost. Yeah. Right. Or what's that? What's that thing where you pay them to do like a a, a thing for you over the internet? Like uh, yeah, Fiverr or um, Fiverr. no, it's um I can't remember what it's called now. But yeah, you can donate and they'll they'll like say stuff for people, personalized yeah. greetings and stuff. Yeah, I've seen a couple of Jason Mewes ones. I've seen a couple of Rob Liefeld ones. 
So. Oh, I've seen a lot of Rob Liefelds. I've also seen a lot of like uh, like not very YouTube star, like not very star YouTube people. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Like YouTubers, yeah. Like YouTubers that like shouldn't be being paid to do stuff. So let me ask you a question. Did you guys when when you had your answering machines? Uh, did you ever, did anyone do any hokey uh, stuff with their answering machines as far as that's concerned? Always, man. Every yeah. single time. What was, what was your, what was your best bit? Do you remember like any of your good uh, oh, answering machines? Oh man, that was when bits? I was a kid. I mean, yeah, we yeah. all had them like the Joe's Bar and Grill. You kill them, right. you grill them, you slab right. them, you, sta you stab them, we slab them. <laughs> Yeah, shit like the that. old like uh after the beep and then you're like beep and you're like i'm just fucking with you <laughs> that was me i'm a little scamp my personal or, uh, favorite was still when you like answer you're like hello hello yeah, yeah. hello hello yeah, yeah. oh say? my god there's so much blood yeah hello <laughs> uh but uh some place that still has a really awesome answering machine message is uh gator world if you were gonna uh, to call gator world What's world? It's a place. It's like a amusement park in Florida where you can go pet alligators, and it's all alligators and stuff. You know what? I should have known. I should yeah. have guessed that. By Gator World, <laughs> I probably I probably could have guessed that one. I was like, "There's no way it's like an actual Gator World." But yeah, sure enough, it was. <laughs> yeah, my my uh, my best friend, who's also my roommate, uh, uh, he still to this day has my favorite like ans like voicemail message slash answer machine message. It literally is. Uh, do not leave a message. I will not call you back. Unless you're my mom, do not leave a message. And I'm like, dude, that is fucking genius. He still gets absolutely genius. Yeah, and people still probably leave him messages. Yeah, but he never checks them, so. <laughs> Who checks think... those? Moms, yeah. You can't even get someone <laughs> to answer their phone half the time nowadays, let yeah, alone check their answer machines. I know. Now you got the look of visual voicemail, so like you can just read it, and it reads it to you, and you're like, eh, I don't even have to listen to you." Unless you have T-Mobile and it doesn't fucking work. Yeah, Lame. That's, that's rough. Oh well. Or you could be really lucky and have Verizon and get free uh, Disney Plus. There you go. Is that what they're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Verizon for a year. Yeah. I don't know. I was just telling Kyle before the show that I think I'm gonna um, actually break down and go go sign up for Disney Plus. But I, you know, I've always I've been complaining about all the different streaming services. How you got to have 12 of them or whatever. So I think I'm just gonna get rid of them all, but Amazon Prime and uh, just go log on to Disney Plus for you know a couple months and get my fill of uh, Mandalorian and Gargoyles and call it a day. It's worth it. Yeah. It's That's right here. I'm waiting to watch Mandalorian though. I want to let it get a couple episodes in, so I, you know, can binge watch at least two or three episodes. Oof. That's a tough. That's a tough one because being in like the 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 nerd world, especially in the podcasting world, it's 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 so tough to not get that that stuff spoiled. Um, yeah, I don't mind it getting spoiled because yeah. I'm such a Star Wars nerd that I'll geek out over it still. But <laughs> yeah. Have you guys, um, one of the things that my brother has been doing, my brother likes to do is he'll go on YouTube and watch like the storylines of all the video games. And uh, he's been watching the storyline of the new uh, Star Wars video game. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, there you go. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Jedi uh, Fallen Order. Yeah, fucking cool, man. I've been watching I heard that. it's not bad. 
Yeah, he got me hooked on it. And what era of uh, like the Star Wars universe does that take place? Right in? after the, um, the the killing of all the Jedi's. So it's basically like a young Jedi that's trying to go find other Force sensitive children to try and rebuild, you know, the Order. Mm -hmm. um, that's about as far as I've gotten in. So he's kind of running around the the world so far with a a Jedi that quote unquote turned off her Force powers. Because for whatever reason she turned them off, but uh... it's like turning off. You like your iPhone tracking? You're like, oh <laughs> shit, uh, mom! I'm about to get in some real nasty shit tonight. So it's better if you don't know where I'm at, right? I don't, I haven't uh, played it yet, so I don't know. I just I just downloaded it and installed it when I got home, so I haven't had a chance to fire it up yet. So I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited to play it. That's what I'm gonna do it tonight and this weekend mostly, probably. Do you think the Star Wars franchise video games, I'm not a big gamer, do you think that they continually have some of the best storylines in video games? Uh, it depends. I think it's hit and miss, isn't it? It's hit and miss, yeah. yeah. I think, um, what was the one with the two twins uh, where they kill one of them and it causes the dude to go evil and he's a Sith. Uh, he's got the scar on his face. You guys know what I'm talking about? I can't remember the name of it. That one was really good. Um, I'm sure Tim is in the chat just screaming at us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that one was really good. Uh, I was really disappointed with um, what was the uh, the the World of Warcraft one they were trying Old to Republic. pull off. That thing was fucking garbage from the get go. It was such a disappointment. I was really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, uh, Knights of the Old Republic is amazing. Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of hit or miss. If you could play, if you could create like a uh, gameplay for a Star Wars game, like what environment would you want to play, or like what era would you like want to like inhabit as far as like a character is concerned? I love the legacy era of the comics. I really love that era mm -hmm. um, with the uh, Cade Skywalker. I think is the name. It's got the. Um, uh, I just I just love that that comic run. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a really good comic run. Um, I was a big fan of that. Uh, and you know, this is going to sound crazy, but, uh, I'm just a huge fan of Darth Maul. So anything that they could do with Darth Maul, I'd be stoked to play. If they kind of do a, like a side story of Darth Maul that yeah. has nothing to do with, uh, the prequels. That's what I would, uh, be stoked to play. And of course, I, anything with Vader. I think after this, like, last episode of Mandalorian, I'm down for like a Jawa Mario Party type game. Fucking like, A, bro. Like, we're just like little Jawas bouncing around playing stupid little fucking games, like pumping up balloons and stuff. Great like, idea. <laughs> hoarders and like that. Mario Party was probably the best game that I've ever played with a bunch of friends that, because it involved at the time of my life a shit ton of drugs and like days on end of playing that game. You know, like a, a game mm. that little kids would play. And we thought it was the fucking greatest thing to ever ever play <laughs> it sounds like a great stoner game yeah it's just like colors and easy to follow rules yeah <laughs> i'd like to punch jawa <laughs> i don't know I like, I like, those are the best games because you because you know how like you'll start something and then i'll take it off it's like enough time to do like a bong hit you're like oh shit and they're like all right okay here we go where's the where's the sticks let me get it you know <laughs> <laughs> kind of like on this topic, though, I think the Mandalorian is the best thing to happen to Star Wars in a long time. 
And I think that John Favreau is going to be the savior of this franchise. And I really hope they let him do more, especially in the movie realm, because the first two episodes of The Mandalorian are, are fantastic. You know, I've heard a lot of that, but I've also heard that some of the acting is really iffy. I've, I've not yet seen any iffy acting. I would need, I guess, you to give examples to kind of be like, yeah. No, I, I, at first, when you, when you realize the Mandalorian, I, I, we could talk about this at, at some point. Is he going to take the mask off ever? And do you want him to take the mask off ever? But, yeah. you know, that mask acting is really tough. And I thought he did a fantastic job of with the body language and the voice work. Because um, even though he's speaking through a mask, it is somewhat kind of filtered as if it's going through there. That's really tough to convey emotions through that. And I thought they did it. I thought it was a really good job at that because that's not easy to do. I mean, look at the Green Goblin and, you know, first Spider-Man. We, we've seen that done pretty bad where it's, you know, it's this, the voice doesn't seem to match with the character and, and everything there. And I thought... Um, I thought it was it was pretty strong. I know that's really difficult to to get across, especially if he's not going to take the mask off ever and to care about this character through however many episodes they're going to have. Yeah, Jay says it got a little cheesy with the bull riding part in the first episode. I can kind of kind of see that where he's trying to tame the mount. I yeah. I can feel that a little bit, but I mean otherwise as far as like the the acting goes and like like Travis said his ability to to really act through the mask and use body language and stuff and just the storyline and the way they're they're not shying away from the violence it's it's pg-13 they're not going super violent with it but like you still know what's going on shout out to chad uh for correcting jay before i had a chance i yelled ig11 oh my god that thing i'm such a big fan of those uh... dude that thing that's my favorite droid yeah I remember that figure as a kid was such a big deal to me. Dude, he just walks around. And... I know he's a droid, but it's just like a zero fucks given. Pop, 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 just... Yeah, the bounty hunter droid. Voiced yeah. by Tico Waititi. So uh, did uh, Bill Burr show up in the first two episodes yet? He has not been in there yet, no. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Brian... Nick, Nolte did a, Nick Nolte did a pretty solid job. Yes, he did. Uh, I thought it. He's like, yeah, we're gonna. It's perfect. I, <laughs> I missed that. I missed that, dude. There, there was a couple of celebrity cameos in the first episode. Brian Pulsane was in uh, the first episode too. Yeah, Horatio like, Sands. Yep, for like five minutes. <laughs> and but I heard Bill Burr's supposed to play an actual pretty uh, uh, decent long role, like uh, you know, multiple episodes. Hmm. I'm not sure how true it is, but that's kind of what I've heard. I mean, enough so that they showed him uh, on the trailers, on the you know commercials before the episode first episode came out. But yeah, I mean, I just like I like to sell hints in the one that you know he's trying to pay for the bounties, and he's like, "Those are imperial credits. The, the empire's fallen. Those aren't worth anything." You know, and it just kind of how they they references everything that's still going on. That line really hit me too. I, I really that was like a nerd tingle in that one. I was like, oh yeah, this just that small line just kind of sets you where you're at in the. It's, it's really important that you know where you're at in because Star Wars is this big epic. Like, where are we? Yeah, where right. are we at? Yeah. Is this before <laughs> is is Darth around? Are there Darths? Uh, are the Jedi around? And so I thought that was a really great line. Um, and I love how we're exploring the less epic characters and we get to see like the kind of the the street level. How how the empire stuff affected the street level 
politics and economics of the world very subtly in this. I think Rogue One uh, kind of proved that you could do that uh, and do it well, and people would really love it. Um, I think a lot of the real big Star Wars fans had wanted to see something, you know, of that, you know, the, the non-major, like you said, like you said, the street level people, the people that we don't, you know, not none of the big, super big characters. We want to, you have such a huge universe to play with. Let's, let's, you know, dip our toes in those other pools. Who so. was saying that uh, John Favreau did it because his older brother got the cool toys and he got all the other toys. So that was what he was used to playing with. Right. No, I, I think one of the things that happens with Star Wars, the more when we just tell them in these big epic movies and we have these characters, is that sometimes the characters we're introduced to, especially this new crop of, of characters that we've gotten in the last couple of movies, they're already so noble and so, you know, large in life and they're already making these right choices and they have already a moral compass that they're, it, it, they become harder to relate to. Uh, because they, they were coming out of the box already kind of fully formed as these heroes. Now they might change them and, and take them on different things with this new movie. But I like the what we're exploring these gray characters and these gray areas of Star Wars, which you used to see a little bit. Like Han Solo was kind of, a, was a, when he first came out, that was a gray character. We're like, this guy is a scoundrel, you yeah. know? And a lot of these characters were. But now with this new crop of Star Wars, Rogue One was a little different. There's some great characters in there, but I think with like Ray and Finn and Poe, I'm like, yeah, you're here, you're heroes. Like, I get it, and I am not a hero. I, I I go, I need you to come down to my level, all right, Star Wars. I need you to do some shady shit that I can relate to, uh, and do some morally questionable things. So I like how that this is a little bit more relatable, Star Wars. My problem with the with the big movies, like you know the the Skywalker sagas and all that bullshit, is so goddamn predictable you know i know there's gonna be a, a freaking shield up that you're not gonna be able to get it down unless you go in by land or you know what i mean i, I know that there's gonna be a jedi that's gonna you know almost go dark and you know it's like it's so predictable it's unreal um and that's why i loved rogue one and that's why i, I you know i'm really looking forward to mandalorian that's why i love a lot of the uh, the comic books and, and yeah. uh, the video games. Uh, the the big movies are just so predictable, and I'm tired of it. Well, Mandalorian, we were I was just talking about this not too long ago, uh, is really kind of, it, it picks a very similar trope that you've seen with Lone Wolf and Cub uh, and the Logan movie, and Cable did it with Hope in comics and the Cable comics a while ago. I, so that's the setup, and I love... I love the desperado character who has to protect an innocent character. Uh, and I don't know how much we're spoiling with this, but that is the setup. It's that lone wolf and cub. The disgruntled outsider has to change and have his character arc based on protecting this innocent character. Uh, and I always love those stories. Very like, much I, like yeah. the spaghetti western slash true grit. Very well, yeah, yeah, like, yeah some Clint Eastwood stuff yeah uh and I love that I don't know and it's it's just, there's something I think as like guys too guys really respond to that uh there is a sense that that character that outside cool character all of a sudden gets a chance to be vulnerable and more human um isn't that what we're all wanting guys it's just to break down and let down our guards and be a little more vulnerable um but yeah I think we were we respond to that storyline really well and I always love that I think that's like 
Brian was saying, that's one of the things I like about the Mandalorian is you don't know where he, he resides. You know, you think he's, you're kind of like, oh, is he, well, is he good? Is he bad? Like where, which side of the line is he? And it's so neutral and it's so just right he's down just the trying to make, He's just trying to yeah, make a living. Exactly. It's, it's pretty much what it is. He's just, he's got nothing against anyone. He's just out there making some bucks. So... One of the things I found was interesting, based on what you're saying, Matt, too, is, like, where is he coming from? The one thing that seems to be a rock in his character is he's very concerned with Mandalorian tradition and ancestry. There's That seems to be very important to this character. He very much identifies himself as a Mandalorian. It seems to be a dying culture or a dead culture. I don't know too much about the Mandalorian culture and the other parts of Star Wars. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of ancillary material on it um but he he seems to be struggling between his job and also like wanting to keep this mandalorian culture alive like he talks about using mandalorians never drop their weapons uh mandalorians never give this up mandalorians never do that and everyone talks about mandalorians as this very respected culture that seems to be very almost extinct and so he seems to be very much the promoter of this. And the job that he has to do in his first two episodes comes in direct conflict with people who hired them who seem to be promoting that nationalism of Mandalorian culture as well. So it'll be interesting to see that conflict play out between his own his uh, uh, desire to keep this Mandalorian culture alive and also to do what he individually believes is right. So. Well, I think that's, interesting. what's interesting about that is, and that's why I say his his character, you can't really draw a line because when he goes after the asset, he's not given a hollow puck or nothing. He's told coordinates and where to go. And then you show up and all these other bounty hunters have hollow pucks and they're, they're coming after this asset in, in different ways. So it's almost like the guy who gave him this mission was was doing so knowing that he was going to make noble choices versus what everyone else is trying to do. Right. No, I agree. So it's all I know is I don't want to spoil it too much for people who haven't seen it yet, but the, the asset everybody's is, seen it except Brian. Well, <laughs> I, I like, I'm intrigued most by the asset because you know, you only see like, I think one of the, one other of his race in the entire star Wars franchise. It's and brilliant. He, you don't that know, brilliant. You don't know anything about their race. Their race is always, you know, talked about as being unknown. And I think it's like the most, he's the most fucking adorable thing. I just, yeah. I want one. Oh, yeah. I, you might have just ruined it for me, man. That I, I think of adorable oh, thing. Oh, what a fucking Star dick. Wars. It, it totally ruins Star Wars for me. You got the fucking Ewoks, which almost ruined you know, Jedi, and then you got the fucking uh, uh, Gungans or whatever, or, or uh, what was, uh, what's his name? Was he Gungan? Jar Jar Binks? Yeah. I can't remember. Whatever his... Yeah, shoot... yeah I think he was Gungan. Yeah. I don't, he... I don't, I didn't want to say that because I don't want to know that, but I do know that, so... I know, right? <laughs> Cuteness ruins Star Wars for me. So... I don't know. I think this. Like we're all we're all, we're all we're all like really quiet. We're like, well, you might have some issues with. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might have a different thought. Yeah. Like I don't know. All I know too is the Mandalorian. Like like you said, they're they're respected as being badasses, and they're talked about and kind of referenced as being badasses. Like 
when he goes, to, you know, to the planet and he's looking for the asset, and he's like, "How am I supposed to find this asset?" And he's like, "You're Mandalorian. Figure it out. Use what you're trained." You're a Mandalorian. You figure it. Like this guy yeah. is crazy. Yeah, yeah. That, that Mandalorian culture. Does anyone know? Do any of you guys know? Brian, you seem to know a lot about Star Wars. Has that been brought up in any of like the other comics or anything like that? Yeah, it's been brought up in books and comics, but you know, I got to be honest. I can't remember because I was just about to ask that. I can't remember when it when it changed from you know um the whole uh Django fett type thing you know the clones and stuff yeah yeah well i mean because the mandalorians were around forever right before the clones so uh i don't know that's a good question yeah that's a very good question that's a a, a, a hole in my star wars lore that i'm sure uh chad and tim are uh screaming yeah. at me oh, i'm sure disney's gonna try to fill your hole Yes, <laughs> big time. They're yeah, gonna, they're, they're gonna, gonna fill holes. Yeah, thank God it's a small hole. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna jam a man Delorean <laughs> right up there. And it's interesting when they when you see him go <clears throat> and to get like that that shoulder piece made, and you see like the kids running around in helmets, and how it's very that Mandalorian tradition where they always have to have some piece of armor on, and that armor is important to where even like the little kids have helmets and. And like that armor is badass. You see how badass yeah. it is in the second episode when he's just getting the shit kicked out of him by that rhino thing, and his chest plate's yeah. all bent up and popping off, and his helmet doesn't come off. As I was, I was joking with my buddy we were watching. I was like, the Mandalorians have to have a chin strap underneath that helmet or something because when he takes that charge from the rhino, his helmet doesn't even like almost come off at all. It's spirit glue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Essence of Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, but no, I look for it. What do you think about what do you think about it? Not the episodes not coming out all at once. Is that is that is that a plus for you or is that a uh, negative? I'm I used to it. Yeah. I honestly think it is a brilliant strategy on Disney's part because if they if they're giving you seven day, seven day free trial right off the bat, so if they release them all at once. You're going to binge them all in seven days, cancel your subscription. Now right. you, you have to wait. So weekly, it's they're they're just securing. Not that yeah. they need to, but they're securing those subscriptions if if you're going to get into that sh show and, and continue on. Well, okay, so here's the other question. Um, has, you know, it being one episode a week or whatever caused you to watch many other things on Disney Plus? Um I know I'm looking forward to Gargoyles and, uh, you know, Darkwing Duck and some of, you know, the animated, Batman animated series. Is that on there? Batman the animated series? Batman isn't, though, but um, X-Men is, Spider-Man. They pretty much got, like, all the Marvel cartoons okay. on there. Okay, that's what I mean. I, I don't know why I said Batman. I meant to say X-Men. Yeah. The, the My favorite thing right now to do, honestly, on there is go through those animated sh sh series and see the mistakes that Disney has. So, like, if you go watch... If you go watch like X-Men, well, like Spider-Man, Spider-Man is oddly, it's, it's numbered incorrectly. So their first episode isn't the actual first episode of the series. Like it's, it's mm. the way they did the numbering is incorrect, is, is incorrect. And they said they did the same thing with X-Men. And then uh, people are flipping out because the Simpsons are not in the right aspect ratio for that <laughs> time. So... Well, another thing that I thought was very interesting is they finally decided to release some of those older you know uh you know culturally insensitive um cartoons you know like uh uh 
Uh, I know there were some cartoons. Uh, like some Song of the South? Is yeah, that yeah. Song that, of the South, yeah. Is so that, that on there? Is that, that is not on there, no. <laughs> it's not on there yet. And they said they would never release that. But yeah. they did, They did like on Dumbo and on, uh, what was the one with the Siamese kittens? The, um, the Aristocrats? And the Trats? Yeah, Aristocrat, Aristocats. Is it Aristocrats or just Lady yeah, and the yeah. Tramp? I think it's the We Are Siamese. Yeah. I, think that was, I think that was Tramp. Let, yeah, that's okay. Lady and the Tramp, yeah. Fantasia. Yeah, they actually kind of put, like, you know, just a heads up, this was done in a time where, you know, it was, time was a little different and it was a little culturally insensitive. Yeah. Which I think is a, uh, you know, we should be seeing those things because, uh, you know, it's a it's a the saying that everybody harkens back to, but, you know, you need to know your history or you're bound to repeat it. So if you, if you censor that stuff, then, you know, you kind of, you need to see those things. Yeah. You need to know about what it was like and how bad it was. They're not oh. letting one group ruin it for everyone else. Yes. So, I think Disney Plus is worth it. Like you said, Darkwing Duck. I've I've pretty much done nothing but watch Disney Plus the last couple of days. Darkwing Duck, Gargoyles, X Men, um, movies I for shows I had forgotten about. Like anything and everything Disney pretty much is on there. Um. Me and Kyle were talking about uh, DuckTales. DuckTales? He blew me away because he went on there and took a look at it, and he's like, 1987. DuckTales came out in 1987? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That's crazy, right? Oh, I totally thought that was the 90s. Yeah. They, they, Disney had that... Those cartoons, DuckTales, Tailspin, uh, Darkwing Duck, maybe some of the best run of theme songs in all cartoon history. Those oh, theme yeah, songs, sure. like, I, I I could just, I, I could work out to those theme songs. That's how good they are, man. <laughs> I could go on a long, like, two-mile job and just be like, life is like a hurricane. You know, if someone, if someone was like, what are you listening to? I'd be like, oh, you know, Jay-Z or something. But uh, in my head. <laughs> oh, man. That's good stuff. But um, what else? I, one of my favorite shows, honestly, on there right now is uh, it's like Jeff Goldblum explores the world. It's a it's a National Geographic show, but it's it's two episodes, and like the first episode was him talking about sneakers, and this one was him talking about ice cream, and it's it's just so fascinating to me because he's a fascinating person. Where... Is there an episode where he watches you poop? Not yet. <laughs> How long are the episodes? How long are you watching him like eat ice cream? Uh, like I think forty Six minutes hour? to an hour. Yeah. It's... Oh, jeez. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say 10, 15 minutes. Tops. No, no, yeah. it's yeah. it's awesome. Like it's it's just his, hearing his input on stuff and and watching and watching him do the things he's doing on those shows. It's I don't know. It it just intrigues me. I think it's just because he he as an actor and a person is so intriguing. His man, his mannerisms, the way he talks, yeah. the way he carries himself. It's I think he's just, he's like he's like human ASMR. Like he's just yeah, like there's something soothing about about it. Pretty much. I don't know why I'm watching, but I can't look away. He's like a human train wreck, <laughs> in the best possible way. So, but I think Disney Plus is worth it if you're looking into it. Honestly, in my opinion just with all the content on there and some of the content you have to search for. It's not always right on the main page. Like you have to search for. So I've just been doing a lot of digging into the streaming service and so far I'm impressed with it. Is everything on there or are they still putting stuff on there? Um, there's some things that'll never be on there. Like they're saying like the Spider-Man movies will never be on there, but here's one thing that might intrigue you. I don't know if you have a 4k TV, but 
they have all Dark the original movie. they have all the original Star Wars movies in 4K. You I heard that you can't really even good. buy them in 4K. Yeah, I heard that's really really good. I had a lot of people talking about that. But for seven dollars a month, you can watch them. Yeah. Do they have like the seventies Disney movies like Apple Dumpling Gang? Yep. And like they have oh, everything. Bedknobs yeah. and Broomsticks. Yeah. Chitty Chitty the, Bang Bang. What was the the one with the UFO on the mountain with Betty Davis? Remember that one? Um, I think Rock did a redo of it. Is an Escape Which from Witch Mountain? mountain? Yeah. 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 Yep, that's on there. The original and remake of the Parent Trap are on there. So I got a I got a funny story for you guys, um, and uh, I hope this is one of the uh, one of the drinking game words. Um, for those of you out there that are into UFOs, dude, uh, it's already fucked, man. We're <laughs> all wasted already, dude. It's fucked. <laughs> um, Disney back in the day uh, was gonna. Um, do a UFO documentary and uh, the rumor is is that the government wanted to come out and find you know like they did with Tom DeLonge and to the stars they wanted to find like a group that you know the 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 populace wouldn't freak out if they told them that UFOs were real and so the government went to Disney and they gave them footage of a supposed meeting um, between aliens and Dyke, uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, when Eisenhower was president, and um, they actually made this this documentary, uh, and they were getting ready to run it. If you look in old TV guides at the time, it actually says, you know, the documentary was supposed to air on, I guess back in the early '80s or late '70s, the Disney used to have like an hour on ABC every week, you know, every Sunday or something. And it was actually supposed to air. And like two days before they pulled it, the government was like, had got cold feet and they pulled it. So Disney had to run something else. So I'm always kind of, uh, you know, hoping that in the back of my mind that will eventually get released. And hey, you never know, might show up on Disney Plus. It's called Freaky Friday. <laughs> Narrated by Werner Herzog. Yeah. yeah. And now the Friday will get freakier. <laughs> As little Eisenhower. <laughs> Please, an alien. <laughs> and it's just the alien from that stupid Mac or Mac and Me fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I heard somewhere I heard is Nickelodeon gonna try uh, Nickelodeon's trying to get a deal with Netflix, right? Or is that is that they what did. Netflix done is deal? Is yes. it done yeah, deal, they right? It yesterday, yep. Yeah. That's, on that's, television. That's their big move, huh? Yep. That's smart. McAllister. What? You guys don't get that? You guys don't remember that? What, McAllister? Yeah. Like Kevin McAllister? Yeah. Like Home Alone? Home Alone? No, no, not <laughs> Kevin McAllister. Like, uh, you can't do that on television. When they would jump, when they were in the lockers, and they would, you know, Alanis Morissette would pop her head out the, the locker and, you know, scream at somebody and... <laughs> i don't remember that at all yeah. you guys don't remember that canadian no. show with no Bob? yeah no yeah slime came from that's where the slime came from oh the double you would the, say the, i don't if anybody said i don't know on you can't slime. do that on television they would get slimed so the whole point of the show was to get one of the you know actors to say i don't know and a lot of up-and-coming actors you know from the late 80s and early 90s were on that show a lot of more set um, a couple others, and uh, you know, one of the main characters is a guy named McAllister, and you know, 
anyways i'm so uh I'm it sorry. was a public it was a public public access show in canada that nickelodeon picked up when they first started hmm nice i'm kind of looking at the chat here i'm a little bit worried about your boy chad there kyle he looks like he may be having a stroke i don't know <laughs> I don't. I don't know what uh, you hate. Seth Oregon's UFO, UFA alien talk. <laughs> I don't know who Seth Oregon is. I don't. I don't think Chad knows what he's talking about half the time. And apparently, just, apparently, our podcast is racism at its finest. <laughs> it has to be something. I know one thing right now. What's that? I won't be giving this book away tonight. <laughs> But I think I think the Disney. If I'm, I might be wrong, but I think the Netflix Nickelodeon. No, no, you're right. We won't be giving it away. <laughs> well, you never know, man. You never know. The Netflix Nickelodeon stuff, I think, is just to just for movies, like to remake like another Rocco movie and like the old Nicktoon stuff in in movie form. So. Oh, so they want to take control of the IP and make their own stuff from it? Pretty much, kind of like what they've already done with Rocco and. Um... They do. They did it with Rocco and uh, Invader Zim so far. I wouldn't mind like binging some Salute Your Shorts or like Hey Dude. Fucking Salute Your Shorts. Salute shorts. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the best TV shows on when I was when that was on. Man, that Camp on Awana. Hold you in our hearts. <laughs> Donkey lips. Yeah. I fucking love that show. Me and my brother would watch that show every day. <laughs> the jokes are so fucking stupid. Like I remember laughing at like every time he'd be like, makes me want to fart. And I'm like a little yeah. kid. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. I hope we never time. part. Get it right. Or pay <laughs> yeah. the price. Every time get it that right got me. Pay the price. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. <laughs> but interestingly enough though, it doesn't seem like I, I know Disney Plus had a bunch of uh issues on launch day, but it doesn't seem to stop people from subscribe to it since they've already got over 10 million subscribers in the service in the first couple of days it's been up so well you forget that you know there's a group of fans out there called disney fans that yeah. are fucking ridiculously fanatic it cross yeah disney crosses all platforms for everybody yep, yep. well especially with the new merger with fox and you've got you know simpsons and all these other shows on there that's a little bit of something for everybody so yeah and all the all the shows that are developing for the streaming service, uh, which kind of leads me into my thing is they're talking about developing a Nebula series for the service. So, do you think that these smaller series like Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier, Nebula, all these kind of like lower key smaller characters, do you think it's going <laughs> to finally get you to that oversaturation that we we constantly say is coming, or? Chad's trying to say I called out Seth Rogen to a fight. <laughs> <laughs> when did you do this? I never called out Seth Rogen. You called out fucking Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, I called out, but not Seth Rogen. Seth Wrong Rogan. Another Rogan. Seth Rogen. Come on, everybody, keep coming in here. I want to give this book away tonight. Call so, your friend. Call everybody. Yeah, I see so, some more people showing up. Uh, some yeah. familiar faces. There you go. What I see up, guys? guys. I see the some CBSI guys. Thanks for stopping in. So smaller, smaller uh, characters, lesser-known characters, getting their own properties in Disney Plus. Do you think it's good for the the market, or do you think it's going to cause oversaturation? Do you mean like Moon Knight 
like Marvel characters, like what they're doing with uh, Moon Knight and Kamala Khan, and well, right, and now they just announced a Nebula series is coming, and I'm all for a Nebula series as long as they get what's your name to play it. Is it gonna be a cartoon? Uh, no, it's gonna be live action. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I I like that chick that plays her, the the chick from Doctor Who. She's uh she's really good. So I'm all for that. I think Nebula is a great character, um, that they can do a lot with. I'm, I, you know, we're all kind of waiting on bated breath to hear what's going on with Moon Knight. And, uh, you know, there's talk about, I, I, you know, I was listening to uh, actually one of the guys who's in the chat tonight, uh, Doc Joe, has a podcast called The Collectibles. I was listening to them and Sean. I was listening to them the other night and they were talking about how the rumors about, um, you know, that uh, they're going to, Moon Knight and Kamala Khan, and I forget who the other person was they were saying, were actually not only going to show up. You know, they're going to have shows, but they're going to show up in the MCU uh, in Phase 5. So I'm really hoping that the same, you know, that they, they that is in continuity, I guess would say. like You know, kind of like how they did with Daredevil, um, where, you know, there was word that if they got Daredevil in the MCU, uh, it wouldn't be played by Charlie Cox. I want the same actor to play him. I want the stories to intertwine. I think that they would really do well to have those stories intertwined. And it, it can be in a movie, it can be in a series. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to, I, I really think that they would also do a disservice if they do a PG, PG, I mean, it would be hard for them to do anything over PG-13, but if they do a PG or lower Moon Knight series, uh, fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm over it if they do that. You know what well, I mean? It's going to be, because they're not going to have anything R-rated on, on That's fine. Disney+. That's fine. Do so PG thirteen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do PG thirteen, um, but you know it's got to be somewhat dark. They got to do you know some dark stuff. Um, I think with the the fact that they're putting so much emphasis on these shows and they're saying like you have to have the Disney Plus, so you have to make sure that you're watching these shows because they're going to connect to where we go in the MCU moving forward. And you got WandaVision and um, Loki that are going to have an impact on. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think that that notion of these are separate universes or they're they're not going to cross over is pretty much erased now because I would I would be surprised if with how heavily they're investing these TV shows in the overarching movie storylines that they wouldn't show these characters wouldn't show up even for a small cameo somewhere. You well, know? We, we saw that already with the Mandalorian and Billy D. Williams. Um, you know, he's going to be in the the new Star Wars right movie. Mm -hmm. Right, and we we see that cameo in Mandalorian. Um, was Billy D. Williams in Mandalorian, or was, was that he? Apollo Creed? Carl Weathers. No, it's Carl oh, Weathers. Oh, Carl, well, yeah, Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Yeah, Not yeah, Billy yeah. Williams. Thank you, uh, Carl Weathers. Um, so we see it's just as cool to me. Yeah, let's get that. Let's get that movie <laughs> happening. Billy D. Williams. Uh, so I, with all these new shows coming out, especially in um, uh, Disney Plus, it's 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 a bit overwhelming uh, the amount of content that's out there. So. I think I've got to stop following the characters and start following the creative teams. Like that's like the number one thing that will like going to get me to watch it. Who's writing it? Who's the showrunner? Who's producing it? Take for example, Mandalorian. John Favreau is that that huge like that that would get me to to um, to watch it. You know, but because I could have gone easily, it could have gone south really quickly depending on who you put in charge of it. So. Uh, before when this whole explosion of nerd culture came out and like we're getting like the marvel shows on netflix you're like a daredevil show i'll watch it i don't care who's involved i'll watch it 
But now, because there's so much choice, I mean, even like we were talking on about an hour ago, my podcast partner, he was talking about The Watchmen. And I was like, oh, yeah, I watched the first episode. And he was like, yeah, it's like episode four now. I'm like, is it really four episodes? Like, I didn't think it was bad. I was going to watch more of it, but more content just got in the way. And so now I, I before I start watching something, I got to kind of look at the creative team and be like, do I, is, am I going to invest time with these creators? Because uh, it's, it's getting, it's getting a lot. It's getting to be a lot out there. Watchmen is actually one of those shows I say you gotta you gotta watch now. When I was the first episode, I was kind of on the fence about, but as the, the episodes have gone, it, it gets better and better each episode. So I'm I'm totally invested in Watchmen for the next the remainder of the episodes to see where it goes. So yeah. I would definitely say stick I with that one. Yeah, I haven't started that one yet either because I want to let there get a couple episodes in. Like I've really you know these these um binge watching you know netflix style has really uh jaded me on the other things like i have a really hard time even watching titans because i get to the end of the episode i'm like fuck i want to watch another one um so and you know with word that they're they're doing a third season of titans that i'm really stoked about that but i just wish we get them all at once well it's it's changed it's changed water cooler talk uh, when we used to have a couple of networks and so you'd have those five, six shows that everyone was watching and to a certain degree you still have that. I mean, people still watch like Stranger Things and when Game of Thrones is out. But because there's just so much that, yeah, I, we're on a, 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 a comic book uh, nerd podcast and people are like, oh, I haven't watched Watchmen or I haven't watched Mandalorian. It's not because Brian doesn't want to watch those things. It's just there's so much other stuff. But he could tell you about 20 other things he is watching. So, like, your water cooler talk is often starts with, no, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm going to watch it. Or, you know, as opposed to just, of course I watch Mandalorian. It's one of the only five shows that's out there that's geek culture. So, of course, I watch it. Well, that's kind of worrisome, though, because are we going to start seeing or are we already seeing um, a situation where because there's so much out there, you know, we're only getting one or two seasons or one season of something that, is really good that everybody is looking forward to, but because there's so much out there to watch, it's just not um, financially viable. You know, it's just not, they're not going to be able to make any money off of it because they don't have as many people watching it. It's, yeah, it's watered down. I, you know, the best part about pop culture isn't even the watching of it, it's the talking about it, it's the discussing it, it's feeling part it's of the community. Point. And I mean, that's why it's pop culture because it's popular. But when you have so much content and it's all spread out, those communities that are built around these pop cultural properties, they get a bit thinned out, which is great, which is where podcasts and things come in because you can go and watch a preacher podcast. So if you don't, if you can't scratch that itch around the water cooler at work, you can hear three guys, and I'm, because it's definitely going to be three guys talking about preacher um, <laughs> on a podcast, you know? Um, and and same with, with some of these properties. So there is, we are we we do get to see that we do get to see these, these niche um, communities build up, but the average civilian citizen that you're walk you know you you work with or you carpool with or whatever uh, that those kind of pop culture or cultural bonds they seem to kind of be being pulled apart because there's everyone's watching their own different set of shows. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, I see uh, you know Big Leg is in the chat. Um, you know, we got Sean in the chat. Sean is the uh, pressing comic book pressing extraordinaire. He is the guy that uh, is a big reason why um, those books that you saw, Travis, came back so beautiful. 
And the reason I'm bringing that up is because Kyle gave us a little bit of information about uh, uh, Tim, who is a, a, a big friend of the show. And uh, we, I, I really want Sean to hear this story um, because it, it really goes to show you kind of what we all go through grading books and why it's very important these days to, um, unless you know what you're doing, get maybe get some, some of those books pressed. You're on, Kyle. So, oh shit! No, you fucked no. up. You fucked up, Kyle. Take it back. Take it back, Matt. <laughs> it's a podcast drinking game, man. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna roll so, it back. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she had an opening. You had an opening. Yeah. Kyle, you're supposed to water that fucking whiskey down, man. You're not allowed to play the drinking game. That's such a beautiful setup, Brian did too. He's like, he's like, I'm teeing you up. <laughs> <laughs> but so what happened was listener Tim shout out our moderator is actually not in the chat he got a Spider-Man 300 I think his better half got him one from the local comic book store sent it off to be graded they were expecting a certain grade it came back a 7 so he was pretty bummed out. And he's like, well, what I don't want to do now is I don't want, you know, that was a book he wanted to send off to have Todd signed. And what I was telling him was, first off, that was my first question. Did this get pressed? And What's he says this? it did. He says it did. But I think what happened is, is, is there's not, a, you know, there's a lot of presses out there, but there's not a lot of good pressers. Great point. So somebody can press a book, but if you don't have a very good presser, then you're going to, it's not going to come back. And if you really, the big thing about pressing is it doesn't, it's not a miracle cure. No. And I think that's what a lot of people fall short of it. They think it's just because they sent it to press, no matter what the condition of the book is, it's coming back a nine, two to a nine, eight. And it's just not, it's just not true. But what I said to him was, I said, you know, cause he's like, should I send it out still? And I said, well, what you should do is what is it for? Are you flipping it or are you going to keep it? What is the objective of having this Spider-Man 300? He said, well, it's mine for my collection. And it doesn't matter. So that's what I told him. I said, here, look. I have a Spider-Man 300 and it's signed by Tom McFarlane and Stan Lee and it's a 7.5. This is for my personal collection. It's, I've already, this, I've already put too much money into this book. It, even if I wanted to sell it, I would never get back what I've put into it. So I said, it doesn't matter what the grade is. What I would do is get it signed anyway if it's for your personal collection. Yeah. And and this is just part of when you get books graded, this is the gamble that you take. So like I here's another good example is Walking Dead number four. I got that book raw. The dude I bought it from guaranteed when I bought it, it was a beautiful book. It had to have been at least a nine four or a nine six. 
I looked at it. Brian looked at it. We looked at it. We sent it off. It comes back, 8-5. Which, I mean, like, there's scratches on the back that didn't have when we shipped it out. But it's just kind of what happens when you grade books. Yeah, here's another chance. Yeah, here's another good example. I cracked this book at a 9-6. Yeah. CGC graded this a 9-6. I got it signed by Kirkman and, and more. It comes back a 9-up. I thought CGC, though, if you crack a book at a grade, it it's automatically going to come back at that grade. No. So they no, it's not it? a CBCS, no. Oh, that's they CBCS? Yeah, and but they won't do that because uh, two grading companies, you know, might not hold, hold the same standards. Right. I think what you're getting what you're getting mixed up is. Um, I recently heard that um, if you get a signature series book by CGC and then you decide you want to have CBCS crack it and have somebody else sign it, CBCS will automatically yellow label it, uh, yellow label the original signature based on CGC saying it was a yellow label. Um, to a certain, I think they cut it off at a certain date. Really? Uh, I think they've cut it off at a certain date. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, maybe we need to look into that because there's a weird game being played with uh, some of these signature series and people witnessing books and all that stuff. I know there was, uh, you know, a, a couple scandals where, uh, you know, certified witnesses for CBCS, you know, there was a big deal a couple years back or a year or so back. So there's there's a lot of politics that are played in in the grading game. Can I can I ask you guys a question as far as a pressing? I know the effect of pressing. I know the outcome of that. Uh, I don't know the process. Is it a pretty invasive process for the comic book? And so, what kind so, of li what kind of liability does the presser have if you send them a book to press? Uh, and is it is it easy to damage a book in the pressing of it? Like don't feel uh, bad about doing. Yeah, don't feel bad about not knowing the process because most of us don't because yeah. it's voodoo. It's kind of a, like a hidden secret. Yeah, it's a hidden secret because it's a trade. Yeah, 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 it's a trade. But basically, what you're doing yeah. is you're using a uh, you know a heat press, um, like a shirt press, and you're it's almost kind of like ironing a book, crisping uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Good pressers will um, uh, uh, use humidity um, to get the to, to pre-process the book. But the important thing with a good presser is one, you know, they, they, they've done a lot of books um, and seeing results or hearing results from other people. I've noticed that there's a lot of comic shops that are uh, offering pressing services. And I mm -hmm. feel like it's become a type of thing where they just go out and buy a $150 shirt, t-shirt shirt press and they're, you know, waffle pressing books. You know what I mean? So they can definitely burn your books. Um, they can definitely uh, 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 ruin books very easily. Um, and they can rip you off because they probably charge a lot for a shitty job. Uh, how to a, a good presser and like the artistry of it, like how long do you think it would take to press a book if you're doing it the right way? Like how long is a, a good presser spending with, with a book? I think about 15 minutes. You know what okay. I mean? Uh, not Maybe not depending on what the pre-process is like. Uh, if they don't, if, you know, uh, I know I've heard Sean. The age of the book. Yeah, exactly. I know that's what I was going to bring up. Mm -hmm. I know I've heard Sean talk a lot about how, you know, depending on if it's a modern or if it's a, a, a you know, like a silver or bronze age book, it's different based on the type of paper they used. 
Um, there's a lot of modern books that are very easy to press and that you can press out a lot of uh, issues, um, you know, depending on the type of paper they used and the depending on the type of binding. Um, for a long time, a lot of pressers couldn't, couldn't press those old school Marvel square bound and DC square bound really thick books that were bind that they bind with glue, I guess. Oh, that's um, depressing. Yeah, because, you know, it, you're heating it up. So when you heat up the glue, uh, you know, it's it's releasing yeah. those pages, I guess. So uh, over time, they've gotten good at and they figured out ways to do it. And pressing now has kind of been, uh, been a thing for, I don't know, maybe five years now, would you say, Kyle? Uh, so over that time, there's been a lot of tricks of the trade learned and a lot of, but there's also been a lot of really good books ruined. Um, a good a good uh, point of that is uh, Doc Joe uh, uh, Joe Seaborn who's who was in the chat um, who's also part of the collectibles crew. I think that he got an AF fifteen. Uh, he sent an AF fifteen in to be pressed and graded by CGC, and I think they, if I'm not mistaken, they they either popped the staple or tore the cover. Oh my god! Yeah, and and like the, the reason I bring that up is you talked about liability. That's the problem. When you're getting a book pressed, you're basically signing away that liability. I mean, you're you're doing some things to where you know they kind of make you sign something saying, "Hey, if something goes wrong, sorry about your luck." Sorry, dude. That's just the way it is. Pressing comics sounds like super sexy. It's like pressing glue, popping staples. Like <laughs> this is like I like I like I become a comic book presser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's the, here's the other thing. I know that um, in in the the big the you know a couple of years back a lot of people were pressing at a certain price point, and you get a lot of business and you know there's you're getting a lot of books and the I would imagine the price point has got to go up because these guys are pressing so many books that they don't have time to do it so you know they they kind of got to say hey I can only press so many so that you know in order to do that my price point has got to go up. So I think at first maybe it was ten dollars a book, but now you know I imagine it's up to twenty dollars a book to get pressed. Well, but, I mean, it's while it's it. golden age when people aren't doing it, yeah, because it's yeah. like coding when no one was coding. So if you could code, you could just charge whatever you wanted. So like, get your money now if you're pressing books. Yeah. You hear that? That's my word to you, pressers out there. anything <laughs> yeah, about. Well, that's yeah, that's a brings up an interesting point. I would kind of be interested to see like here like from someone who presses how what kind of insurance they have to carry if they have to carry insurance none you know, what i would be terrified if i got like a fifteen thousand dollar book potentially and they're like can you press this i'm like no no way no there's there's i'd never uh i'd never heard of a single presser carrying any type of insurance or anything like that i mean you're it's one it's still kind of the wild west and there's a lot of guys out there that are you know, putting a thing on Facebook that are saying, "Hey, let's let's press." I'm pressing books, and people will just send copies to them. Um, so it, it, it's tough. Um, but there's guys out there that are really fucking good, and not only are they really good at pressing, they're 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 really good at grading a book. And it kind of goes back to the whole thing with Tim. We've all been through that where we think we're good at grading a book we think we got the eye but you know and we'll send our first couple books out to get graded and we're all 90 percent of the time we're disappointed you know what i mean um we all have those stories i'm pretty sure at least uh, with those of us that have, you know, here's, here's another one 
There's no way I would have set that out thinking this was really going to come back a 9.0. Yeah. You know, even if I did want to get it signed by J. Scott Campbell, but there's no way I would have sent this out thinking that this is a 9.0. Yeah. So, but I would say... Uh, Tim's in the chat now. There we go, Tim. Right as we're talking uh, about you, man. But if I were Tim, and just like I showed... If it's for your personal collection and the book means something to you and it's something you want to keep, then it doesn't matter. Just like I said, I've got a 7.5 Spider-Man 300 and I have it signed by Todd McFarlane. It's for my person. It's always been for my personal collection. It's never going to go anywhere. So if it's for you, just do what makes you happy. Yeah. So that's 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 that. So I just want to say everybody ends up with that book. I mean, like there's books we, when Brian and I decide to send books out to get pressed and graded, we get out an eye magnifying glass and we we scour the book up and down. He looks at it and then I look at it and then we discuss it and then we flag everything that we see on it to what we think it's going to be. Okay, that's pressable. That's not pressable. That's going to get a ding. That's not going to help nothing. This So is this, okay, now that we've done this assessment, you know what? This book isn't worth it. And we'll set it aside. And we'll go on to the next book. We'll start it over. And we, we go through and he looks at it. I look at it. We discuss it. Okay, we think this book will be lowest 9.2. Let's send it through. Let's take our chances with it. How accurate so, are you? What's your percentage? I think that I we've gotten very accurate. Um, I'm not going to toot my own horn because, uh, you know, I'm probably well. I am going to toot my own horn, but I'm not. No, I, wa I want you to. I'm I'm genuinely curious about because I I've listened to you guys talk. I've done it with you guys. I'm I'm genuinely curious to to know what your your percentage is so, since you go through that detail. So um, out of the books, the modern books that I've sent off without getting pressed, I've sent off. Uh, uh, three orders of books that are all modern that I, you know, I made the mistake. I, I don't say it's a mistake. A lot of people say it's a mistake, but I like to do the pre-screen process where it's a 9.6. If it's not a 9.6 or better, I don't want it graded. And uh, they're usually 10, 10 or more books every time. And I've had three orders. My last three orders have all come back 100% 9.8. Now, again, those are all modern books. Um, so it's a little bit easier. I, but I'm also the type of person that I'm not going to send off a, a Silver Age or a Golden Age or a Bronze Age book without getting it pressed first. Because if I'm sending off, at least for me, if I'm sending off a Golden Age or a Silver Age or, or not a Golden Age, but a Silver Age or a modern, you know, Bronze Age book, it's got it's going to be a semi-decent key. And with those keys, I want to get pressed. I don't want to take the chance. So um, I've, you know, like I said, I've got a, you know, a magician out there that, uh, likes to do uh, the pressing for me, and I really appreciate him. Um, so it's kind of like having a good doctor, man. You know, there's sure a good a good tailor. Yeah, know? a good tailor. You're right. You're yeah, and I was thinking about that as a comparison. Like, if you take shoes into like a cobbler or a suit into a tailor, and for some reason they fuck it up, I don't think they have to carry any insurance. So I, I don't know why pressing a book would be anything different. No, and, and uh, Dino, who's in the chat tonight, uh, brings up a good point that. Um, also, when you're getting a book, 
you know, signed and, you know, that you're going to do signature series. You need, it, it, even if you're not, you know, a lot of people are sending books off to, to facilitators that are going to get their books signed. And so one of the problems that a lot of these artists do, uh, especially, you know, Todd McFarlane, I, there's very few things that I will talk bad about Todd McFarlane because he's just such a good dude and he's, he's a really nice, nice guy. He's a big part of the local community here. But man, when you hand him a book, sometimes he'll manhandle that thing. And artists just, you know, they don't look at it the same way that we do. Like they're, they're you know, these are big deals to us. They just manhandle. I've seen Todd McFarlane manhandle Amazing Spider-Man, you know, 300s. I, he's just, a lot of these artists, they just don't care. And I, I'm sure also that a lot of these artists um, are, because they look at it as, as these grading companies making money off of them, they, they hold a little bit of uh, anger in there. You think that, they may, might do it on purpose at, to a point? I'm not going to say they do it on purpose, but I'm going to say they they maybe might not pay as good as attention. I think they're just, they don't care. Because, yeah. you know, oh, this is going to get signed and graded. So he's they're not, you know, they're not taking this good care of it. Like when I had Marv Wolfman sign my first Black Cat, he was like, here, let me show you something. He's just flipping through pages and he's folding it over and he's showing me. And I'm like, hey, fucker. It's my book, but I mean, what are you really going to say? But that's also the reason why, like Dino said, that's why the windowing has become so popular because it it takes that out of the effect. But mm -hmm. you know, uh, that way these guys can't can't pull the books out and fold them. Like I've seen a lot of these guys, they'll fold books. You know, they'll hold them and they'll fold them. And uh, you're some old like you comic, you're How'd some you old comic book artist with like Parkinson's, and like you really want them to sign the book. But you're like, I don't know. He's like, you're like easy there, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's that's but windowing books saves a lot of heartache. So make sure you guys do that if if you plan on taking books to get you know signed. But back to the original thing, Tim. It's your book. You're gonna keep it. Who cares the grade? It means something to you. If you want to get it signed and graded, get it signed and graded. Yeah, Tim, you gotta look inside your heart. Is what I would suggest. <laughs> look inside your heart. Let your You'll heart know guide you. Yeah. you know, turn on your heart light and follow it. <laughs> So that's enough of that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, um, before I, I, I call it uh, a day, a uh, night early on the show that I, I really, I would like to talk about that just blew me away that uh, is on our, our outline is the uh, Black Adam, um, you know, the, the fervor that's starting to build over Black Adam and the, the rock and that Jim Lee uh, tweet that he put out. Um, of that uh, drawing. I'm not sure that was a Jim Lee drawing. I'm not 100% sure. I think it might have been somebody else that Jim Lee was just putting out there. I've heard both versions, but what a beautiful piece of art that was, that Black Adam art. Uh, for those of you that didn't see it, go go check out. Uh, it, was, it was on Twitter, Matt, that he, uh, he, he posted that. Yeah, the, it's been on Twitter, and The Rock, or Dwayne Johnson, has put it on Instagram. It's kind of been making the rounds fucking gorgeous uh and i am even more stoked to see uh the rock play black adam i'm really looking what, forward to this what book did that spawn everybody to start buying there's a well, well there's 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 a couple black adam books that are kind of like considered early appearances of course he was his first appearance was in a golden age book 
Um, a lot of people are buying a Alter Ego book, which is a, a fanzine that was done by he's a he's a creator. Um, but uh, when he before he was a creator, he did a fanzine called Alter Ego, and they did Black Adam on the cover, and that is kind of being talked about as the the, the second appearance of Black Adam. But uh, what a lot of people are are going and buying is, is a book that they've been kind of buying for a while now. But it's um, this drawing has caused this this book that I'm getting ready to talk about to just shoot up the charts. It's it's uh, was this week it was named on the CBSI Hot Ten list as number one, and that is the uh, Shazam the the first Shazam series that uh, DC did. I think it was uh, issue 28, if I'm not mistaken. That's what yeah, one of your guys just said in the chat. Yeah. Yeah. And that book is, um, you know, it's not an easy book to find in high grade. And uh, it was kind of swooped up out of a lot of the back issue bins many, many years ago when this whole comic speculation thing first started. But it kind of dropped because of the the weight that we've all had in the Black Adam stuff. And now it's just back up there. So a lot of people are calling that the, you know, second, the first uh, modern appearance of Black Adam. Um, there's a couple of issues uh, with Black Adam and Shazam that um, you can find in the second series also. I think there's like a DC Comic Presents issue with Black Adam also in Shazam. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, uh, issues that people are, are, are buying and selling right now. But I thought there was another Jim Lee cover that people were going after now because of that Black Adam. There's an Alex Ross cover. That um, a lot of people have been searching for for years. Uh, I'm not sure about a Jim Lee cover. Um, if anybody is in the chat knows of one, uh, I, I can't think of one. So I don't uh, think it was like a black out of cover, but I think there was a there's a, another cover that Jim Lee did. I think that's like kind of like it or something that they've yeah. the people well, are going after. Well, the um, the art uh, like um, I was talking about wasn't that Jim Lee did do. I don't believe it was of uh, Jim Lee's art. It was uh, that Boss Logic guy, um, but Jim mm -hmm. Lee thought and was just like, "Oh, this is so cool! I'm gonna retweet it," and I'm glad he did because it's beautiful. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. So. Very cool. Well, guys, I'm gonna step away, and uh, if uh, if I get back before you're done, if I don't get back before you're done, Travis. Great having the show with you, man. Yeah, real pleasure. Uh, Thanks, man. Talk to you yeah. soon, man. For sure. Kyle and Matt, see you soon, guys. See you later. Later. So, yeah, that uh, Black, in case anyone's wondering, Black Adam has a 20, 2022 release date, I believe. Is mm -hmm. it 2022 or 2021? Let me check. Double check. I thought it was 2022. No, 2021. <laughs> Do you think they're going to make that more of a serious film, or do you think they're going to go closer to like a Shazam style with it? I'm expecting Shazam too. Are you? I'm expecting Shazam too. Yeah. So Shazam, Black Adam, Shazam, <laughs> Shazam. Tim, yeah, hey guys, this is 2019. Can't he just be Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Why does he got to be Black Adam? That was pretty good. That's that's good. That's solid. Uh, <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a rock movie you know it's gonna be a rock movie um that that has me a little bit worried too like, i mean well, well, a, little, rock is, a little bit rock is like arnold like arnold had two speeds he had kindergarten cop and then he had terminator and then in the middle was last action hero so maybe we'll get like a, a last action hero type of rock movie where he's like half serious do you <laughs> be in the holiday season do you fit jingle all the way in there and that uh kindergarten cop 
Yeah, he's that's on that side of the spectrum. Okay. And by spectrum, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> on the spectrum. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. They're good. They're good, but you know what you're gonna get. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's if the trailer's good, you know, it's 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 fine. But I get it. If you're if you're a rock fan, it, I would be salivating. Um, but I'm not a detractor or nor am I a fan. I'm just kind of like the rock is just this kind of force uh, in movies. Um, and he'll hit his mark and he hits his lines and he looks cool. And you could put you could dress him up as anything. He's gonna look badass pretty much. So Dude, he's badass when he's fucking fast and furious. Yeah. Well, someone like uh who's our boy playing um Batman now? Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Robert Pattinson. So Robert Pattinson casting is interesting because uh, as a, whether you, you like his movies or not, you know that he is going to bring something to it. And you don't know what that is. Now, you could hate that thing or you could really love that thing, but you don't know what it is. So there is this sense of mystery in how it's going to get played. When The Rock gets cast at something, there isn't that – like you can picture what that is going to look like. Uh, to a certain degree, and so I like it when you, I I love it when a casting inspires talk, as uh as far as well, what's he gonna do? What take is he gonna bring it, it to it? Um, a lot of dimensions, and I think The Rock has two speeds, and we'll get one of those or somewhere in the middle. Uh, whereas some actors they have you know quite a bit of depth and and versatility. Um, so. Well, he's very much, much to your point, though. He's very much got that Arnold speed. It's either Fast and the Furious or the Tooth Fairy, you know, yeah. or, <laughs> or you know, Jumanji or um, any, any movie with Kevin Hart in him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, what's the other one that he did? The uh, other like terrible Disney movie he did, um, uh, The Game Plan. So like, there's just right. he's very much like you said to your credit, very much like Arnold, two speeds. Yeah, and I, I sometimes I you know we uh, I I get in my head I'm like oh I I don't want to see that because I know I'm, what I'm gonna get but I forget that there are ten year olds out there who is who are it's gonna be perfect it's gonna be the perfect speed yep. for them The Rock playing Black Adam is gonna be is gonna be some ten year olds I can't say ten year old and wet dream together that that seems weird but <laughs> yeah, you get what I'm saying <laughs> Let's not go down that road Yeah, and I am expelled from the chat There we go. Um, <laughs> well, like I want to see, and it's interesting if they're gonna do it, a, uh, a Shazam two, I want to see him bring in the Superman character, the that they tease at the end of it. Bring back Henry Cavill, somebody that's the same size as the Rock. So you have, I just want to see the Superman and Black Adam just have a knockdown, drag out, big screen brawl, like just a vicious brawl, like a Fast and the Furious type brawl, not not some goofy like Shazam one type brawl. That's a good point, Matt. If we're going to do The Rock and we're going to have these two, like, just put some other muscle-bound dude and just have them just pound each other for, like, just, God damn it. Why do I keep, That's like, for, like, 20, 20 minutes? <laughs> Too much podcasting today. I think you're getting the Always, yeah, plus. A, exactly. Yeah. exactly. You know what? I, I have a rule, always jerk off before podcasting, and I did not do it. <laughs> Um, yeah, each other. it is. Yeah, so I, I think if you're gonna do it, then give people what they want, just like a, this big superhero mash them up, you know? Yeah, <laughs> sparkle that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think you gotta go, just knock down, drag out, big old. How much shit? 
Yeah, just pound it, pound it to the ground. <laughs> pound the fuck out of that shit. Yeah, put it like, or put like rockets like Doomsday, and just have that <laughs> fight. That have you have you like have you, what was the last time you read the Death of Superman? You I, I didn't realize we did a, a podcast a couple years ago on it. Like just the whole book is like just splash pages, just giant splash pages of yeah. the of that fight. And I was like, yeah, put that on screen. Just give me the splash page <laughs> version of the Rock and Henry and Henry Cavill fighting each other i'd be down for that 100 percent. dude i'd love to see them pound each other <laughs> i mean you could probably the internet could probably has that you could probably the internet could probably make that happen for you kyle <laughs> <laughs> it's out there anytime you want it kyle <laughs> yeah oh Just my god key strokes away pound fest 2020 <laughs> Uh, so that's there was, awesome. Uh, There's an interesting article I saw, or that I think you posted it, Kyle, and Bleeding Cool about the comic industry needing uh, disruption and needing almost a reset. And looking at some of this stuff here, it, they kind of got some interesting. I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. Do you do you guys think it needs disrupting and, and kind of a reset the comic industry? We were kind of talking about that. With with the you guys talking about the comic bubble popping like in the '90s again and kind of how they're handling that. What what do you feel on that? By disruptive, you mean in a sense of like business wise disruptive, like as far as as the 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 process of of having like basically like a big two system or like a creator kind of renaissance as far as disruptive like new things coming in. Well, I think it's a little bit of of both. It's just like. It's it's kind of like right now they're saying the market size is there, but the industry isn't profitable because nobody's buying. So it's it's almost doing like a reset, kind of like the '90s crash to to lower and, and kind of reset everything to get everything back in line with each other to where the you know it's not so oversaturated. It, it kind of aligns your your market with the product back up. This very much sounds like podcasting, where podcasting's at as well. Yes, right. <laughs> He's a correction. Uh, yeah, what would that? What what form would that take? There is this sense that uh, young artists can get these digital tablets, and you can create these these comics with you and your buddy at home, and they're they're much easier to put out digitally and things like that. Uh, I wonder if the disruption will come from young amateur creators coming in and catching fire here and there uh that's the unfortunateness of that is that sometimes that that's gonna be more of a digital form and i really love the you know holding a comic or is that do we need a total collapse of the big two did uh, you have a my little monster my pet monster behind my you. pet monster back there yeah i've had yeah. that bad boy so like, i you know as a kid though i lost the cuffs those things those things were like in too many like wars as a kid, you know, you get cuffs. Sorry, back, uh, yeah. back, back to your point. Sorry, <laughs> no, 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 no problem. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what what this, the, the disruption would be. The two, you know, Marvel and DC. It, one of the things that is really sad is you know the the whole entertainment industry is propped up on the IP from these comic books and decades of comic books, but the the books themselves, the medium, isn't getting the attention and love and money. So all these creators are just having their creations kind of pulled from them and turned into these billion-dollar properties. Um, so 
it's it's weird. I think some I think DC has even hinted at the idea like we're gonna downsize and because we have decades and decades and decades of IP and stories that creators can pull from. But I, I don't know. I don't know what it would it would take for a major change to come to the industry where people actually got more excited and put their dollars into comics. I think what needs to happen is, and I think this is where the correction is going to come. And this is what I was, I was having this discussion earlier with the, my buddy Chuck that's got those awesome books. And, and Brian is, I don't, I think what, where the correction is going to come is what happens is we're having too many bad stories. We're having too many bad art. We're having too much on top of too like Marvel. How many Spider-Man books are there? Nine? Nine different Spider-Man titles. That's the good thing about DC is they're cutting everything back a little bit. They're going more to a core. Why Marvel seems to be spreading back out. And I think what happens is is is, is once that was the awesome thing about comics was there was these awesome stories that you could you could get into, and it was month after month you couldn't wait because it was just this unraveling of this story and what happens is is we're getting these wham bam thank you man not that good stories and people are like well what's the point because i'm going to get this crappy story then they're just going to start it over again anyway so what's the point mm -hmm. How much i think you're right you're right kyle i think people are attracted to the exotic if you make something exotic the you know where you can't just get like five different versions of it there's maybe a more of a chance to get more people. If hey, if you like this flavor, this is the only flavor there is. You better you either go to this spot or you don't get it. <laughs> and and I think maybe uh, creators, the big creators, usually have their own independent projects, and then they you know they pay their bills with uh, doing a run on something like uh, a Spider Man or something like that. Um, so yeah, maybe I think maybe pulling those back and limiting the titles and these publishers being a little bit more selective on what they put out there um, would probably help. What? How much of it do you think is the current the current time we live in though too? Because a lot of these comics going back in the day dealt with with issues that it was a more you know reserved time and it dealt with issues that weren't at the forefront of politics and weren't at the forefront of everyday life like everything is now so you, you know drug use and kind of things that are everyday norm now were very reserved and people kind of looked at comic books at as you know interesting media tackling those those subject matters that now you turn on the news and it's just like you said it's it's everyday issues you know, drug use is not, you know, drug use is rampant, you know, in through teens and it's not as big as deal watching someone shoot heroin now as like when they put it in a comic book or just some of the subject matters they handled in old school comics versus, you know, the, the culture we live in today. It, it's hard to get that solid, like, connecting story, I think, today than it was years ago. Because to people, use the, didn't, people didn't have that community, I guess, to reach out to, to say, oh, I'm part of this, you know, gender equality or women's rights or whatever group, you know, that narrative. I see what pushed. you're saying. I see what you're saying. So it, 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 the comics used to be like the outsider's medium. It, right. it was like, this is a place to go to feel connected, to feel uh, seen, to feel, yeah. And there's so many other outlets for that. Is that what you're saying, Matt, yeah, today? Yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, comics have always been that an outsider's medium. Well, I mean, that's a very broad statement, but I think outsiders have always been attracted to, to comics. Um, I think we're actually still propping the industry up. 
Um, but yeah, that's a good point. That maybe there's just so many other outlets that people don't have to read the X Men to to realize it's okay to be different. You know? Uh, yeah. Here's some interesting thing from this article. So it says that since comic the comic crash in '96, the industry has staggered. The market is there, but the sales are low. Estimated North American market sales for print comics has grown 50.30% between 97 and 2018, from 500.64 million to 995 million. Despite all these potential buyers, unit sales of the top 300 comics for each month fell by 22.76% between 97 and, 20, and 2018. Okay, that's a big, that's, that's a lot of years there, but that's still a big drop for uh, an industry. So I guess I mean it is a lot. They're talking about like the reset being like what if these what if one day the big two Marvel and DC woke up and said we're not going to put our comics in or in, in stores anymore. It's going to be Amazon. You want to you want a weekly reader, you got to order it from Amazon. Or they went to just an online based subscription service versus putting them in actual stores. Well, they've already done that. We well, I mean no stores at all, so it's all predominantly if you want new releases, it's going to be predominantly online or like subscription based. Oh, you mean so how we buy most everything now? Well, grocery wise, yeah. And, and well, yes, you're right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. most of the things we order now or buy, they cut. It comes in the mail, so it's not that out of the box thinking to say, okay, I'm gonna go. And they already do it. There's already sites where you just go on and you type in what you want, and then you get your books mailed to you. I mean, it's already there. Are already a lot of services that do that, so it's not that crazy. My, what they my, should do is limit the middleman. That you, if yeah, you just go straight to DC and you just have a pull list that it's just like you know, like back in the day when you would get Mad Magazine and you clipped the subscription out, you wrote a check. You told them that you wanted a one-year subscription. You put it in an envelope. You mailed it off, and then you got Mad Magazine in the mail. And what's the difference of going to DC and Marvel and just saying, hey, okay, I want these titles, and they come to you in the mail every month. When I don't want that title anymore, I just uncheck it. Mm -hmm. The real danger for this, and, and for me, is uh, I think that comics have the best writers working in them uh, today. The most contempt, the best contemporary writers are working in comics. The most creative, most inventive, with dialogue, with stories, with worlds, um, and they can do that for a low budget. You can create these whole worlds and universes, or these intimate stories. And the writers who are doing it right now, they're the ones who are sticking with comics. Um, they're doing it because they grew up on this stuff, and it, and it means so much to them. The mediums give them so much. But I think the young writers today, the sixteen-year-olds today, who didn't grow up because that twenty-two percent drop that means less kids are 16 year olds are reading comics i don't think that's the main buyer of comics now and so the young creative writers today aren't seeing comics as a a a profitable way to make a living as a writer whereas you know i look at my trades you know you, you know you're uh, Millers and and you know uh, all, all these great. For some reason I can't think of anything. But 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 they don't. That's what I'm worried about. Is I'm worried about the the creative well that uh, comics are going to lose if we don't start getting comics in the hands of young kids and writers to look at this as a valuable place to tell a story. 
right now comic books for a lot of people are like training ground until I can get like a screenplay deal or I can write for a show when it shouldn't be a training it should be the the goal is to write for comics and uh, for, fortunately we have so many writers like Scott Snyder who I think will always be writing comics because they grew up with them they've had comics in their hands since they were kids but if that market share is dropping that means that it's probably our kids aren't writing them and so uh, aren't reading them which means that when they're adults those young creative writers aren't going to be writing them which sucks that's a solid point. I think there's always going to be, and I think this is going to be part of the correction too. There's always going to be people that are buying them. It's there's always going to be. I just think it's just. I, I just think that's where the world is. I just think people don't want to go out to buy them anymore. And I think that's part isn't, of the problem. Isn't going to your local comic shop kind of like going to the movies though? You go for the experience. You go to, for. The atmosphere. the atmosphere of the shop, the, the like-minded people like you that are in the shop, the conversation, the yeah, camaraderie. I like that anymore. It's not that's not the mindset of people now. Yeah. Oh fuck, I'm gonna go to Walmart to get this. Or, oh fuck, I'm gonna go to Best Buy that you know what? I'm just gonna go on, on Amazon and I'm just gonna have it shipped to my house. Forget it. It's so much easier. I don't have to get in my car, I don't have to deal with traffic, I don't have to deal with stupid people, I don't have to go there and have some dumbass trying to sell me something. I can go online and just buy exactly what I want, and it shows up at my door the next day. Spinner racks people... were spinner racks were a big loss in that. Because spinner racks, going back to what I was talking about getting young kids to read comics. At a gas station, if you're on a road trip with your family and you pull over for gas, if there's a spinner rack next to the counter, you might pull an issue off and you, your parents might get, put the buck down and you can read it in the backseat of the car and then, like, your whole world opens up. Um, the, you know, so not only, as you were saying, Matt, actually going to the comic book stores, which is a bit niche and, like, it's definitely a culture there, but just the ability to, like, the seeing a comic and picking it up, like, I got a big shit of brewing. Let me grab this so when I get home, I have something to read, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, the accessibility of comics to the civilians um, isn't there. You have to go search for it. And you you kind of almost have to know what you want. When we go into a comic book shop, we... we I guess that's not true, because you can... That some of the fun of going to the comic shop is getting the recommendations, but... I don't know. I well, like it, it's people. even just like that what that book that catches your eye that you normally wouldn't yeah. read that you're like let me check this out and it becomes one of those things that is a oh, becomes a weekly reader you know or right it's just that's that's part of the joy of the comic book shop and or you like going to the shop to see all these books that you wish you could have but then quickly realize you're poor and can't afford them you know <laughs> yeah exactly how expensive I'm, they are and, beautiful on the bus is just sitting there laughing at you i walk in and then i walk back out I don't really sit there and I don't really shoot the shit with anybody. I don't really thumb around anywhere. Everything I want is already in a box. I pick up the box. As soon as they hand me my books, I set my books down. They scan them. There's a little bit of chit chat. And then I walk out with my books. Like I don't, it's not an event for me. It's just something I do on my way home. Mm. I just grab my books. Like, when was the last time you went and you just sat there and you hung out at the comic book store? You don't. You run in, you grab your shit, and you leave because you've got a million other things to do. Or I'm getting them on my break. Mm. Or I'm just grabbing them. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I had a Wednesday. I went in the comic book shop, picked up my weekly readers, and I kind of looked around a little bit and you know, asked about the, the walking dead book that's coming out for, for comic book shop day. And, 
kind of talked to the the cashier a little bit about Walking Dead and what on my way. So I mean, it's still this that little bit of that little bit of chit chat of of what you like and comparing and contrasting, you know, your your guys your fandoms with other people that are in there. That I think I'm it's, in it's twenty five. I'm in twenty different comic book groups where I talk to people about comics every day. Why do, I need to go, yeah. why do I need to go to a comic book store and talk to the talk to the cashier about it when I can talk to 1,200 people about because it? Because you got to get out there and make friends yeah. in real life, Kyle. No. <laughs> digital friends. So, like Mike, Mike just said, my LSC is my escape from all the shit I have, to go, I have going on. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's all how you, you really look at it. Yeah. But, I, I don't. I'm not a. You're small you're becoming guy. a recluse. That's yeah. Your well, end game is to be a recluse. That's what's Matt. What I'm should, we, should we should we start the intervention? We, yeah. we I think it's about time. So we we brought you on here today. Uh, <laughs> and he wanted. I'm a licensed uh, interventionist, and we we're worried. We're worried yeah. about it. <laughs> How much did you spend on those Spider Mans, Kyle? How much did you spend on those Spider Mans? You got a problem. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> I do. I'm sorry, guys. You're right. You know. <laughs> we're all going to go around and say something we love about you and then we're going to really rip you a new one <laughs> but that I mean that's just my thing I just don't I don't know I don't like to hang out somewhere I'm in and I'm out I got shit to do you know, uh, take too long. you know I thought was uh, on the idea of that community what I thought was really neat uh, was it last week that the I don't think you guys went to Tucson, right? You guys didn't go to Tucson. No, yeah. no. But like no. the the Couch Country guys went the other podcast, and you know, I think and I know I know they hang out digitally, and some of them are closer friends than others. But they just all went down to Tucson. They were all hanging out in a room podcasting. They spent a day. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like, just you have your like, you could just spend a whole day talking and shopping comics. And I go, that's that sounds like a like a pretty good day to me, just talking shit and drinking beers with some comic book bros. Uh, and I was, I was like, oh man, that sounds like a really fun time. Um, and you can get that experience, Kyle, at your local comic book shop on a weekly basis. Or like Chad says, you can go for the hot chicks. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the hot babes that are always at your Propping the hot babes, up. propping the industry up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess there's just different ways to look at it. But I just, oh yeah, no, again, yeah. You know, it's it just I just go there, take care of what I need to take care of, and it's not bullshitting. So you you don't think it would benefit from resetting or doing things differently? What sitting at the local comic book well, store? No, just like the whole like industry industry as a whole. The only correction I see is just the craziness with prices. It's hard to, there's too many Wednesday people that all they're doing is they're going from shop to shop to get the next hot thing so that they could sell it Wednesday for triple the price. I think that's what kind of needs to correct and that. I think you're 100% right. I think that's, that's there's a, some one books that are always going to be expensive because it's yeah. just, there's, there's X amount of them. There's, you know, it's just, there's just certain things about them that's going to keep the price. But like, you know, you walk in, you, you know, like you have the mentality or I do. I'm like, fuck, I'm glad that's on my pull list. Like Chuck just said, Kyle doesn't people well. <laughs> I don't people well at all. But like, it, and I salute all three of you that are my friends. Um, I, I just, 
Oh, fuck, I forgot. God damn it, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not so much worried about the alcoholism, but we are worried about the, the, the sad, sad loneliness. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying, god damn it. I think variants are killing it. Well, no, that's you were you're kind of putting on that that the the speculation market is kind of like driving it where you're getting all these different covers and people going from shop to shop. Because I was like, you know, because like, you know, like that uh uh Batman Beyond that was hot a couple weeks ago. I'm like, shit, good thing it's on my pull list because if I didn't I couldn't just go there and pick that book up and check it out because it's gone. And I think that's where the correction needs to happen is the 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 hot book of the week needs to tone down a little bit. That's all. Well and I think I, I think that you're onto something there and I think that the speculators and the flippers are, are driving things like that too, because it's making harder and harder for the normal guy, like you're saying. Joe Schmo just go in the comic book shop that reads this book regularly and goes in there to try to pick up the issue and it's gone because flippers are already got it and you can't find it anywhere and you're going to pay triple the price. At that point, you're just going to be like, forget it. You know? You can get the story still. There's other ways to get the story, but the comics in the 90s became that fetish. It became a fetish market, you know? And just like vinyl, you know, those those assholes who will go and like buy a bunch God. of vinyl and stuff like that. And uh, um, yeah, it's it's and the industry doesn't profit off that the fetishizing of comics. It's just these prospectors. So the the artists and the and the writers they're not they're not getting the money from the flippers. Uh, and those are the people, like we said, that we want to yeah, keep in the industry. So you know their books are being cleared off as shelves. Yeah, so I, I guess you're right. Yeah, DC and Marvel they're still making all their money. It's just the regular person who wants that book. And, you know, there's always the argument of, well, it should have been on your poll list. But I think that's, you know, like if like Matt's saying, part of going to a comic shop is being able to pull it off the wall. I shouldn't have to battle and have this huge list. I should just be able to walk in and get my books. Mm -hmm. That's your, that's your guys' T-shirt. It should have been on your pull list. That should be your <laughs> absolute geek shirt. Mike, Michael says, should have been on your pull list, bitch. <laughs> Mike says, call them what they are, scalpers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I I guess at the same time, what's wrong with making a buck? There's nothing wrong with making a buck, but it's my fault for having to be at work, I guess. I don't know. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with making a buck. It's just, it, it's just crazy. Like you said, when you get a book that you're like, oh, this is going to be the hot book, and you can't find it anywhere for a week, and then it, it just dies because that speculation market just drives everything so much. And it's... And I, I just think that's where the correction is going to be because I, you know, there's not going to be a crash because, like I said before, is they don't print as many books as they used to. You know, in the '90s, they they printed you know sixty thousand books, and then hey, we're out. Fuck, we're not going to go to a second print. We're just going to order sixty thousand more first prints. Mm -hmm. It's just it was just, and they don't do that. There's a cutoff. Once they're ordered, they're ordered. Sometimes you can order them again if there's overstock sitting in Diamond, but they're not. They're not printing 20,000 more to fill. It goes to a second print, which they only print X amount, so it's actually a smaller run. So I think, you know, that's one way it's always going to keep it regulated. So, and I know there's a lot of variants and shit, but everybody likes pretty covers. 
Well, I, I saw in the chat earlier, people were saying that um, covers that have nothing to do with the story and the, inter- the interior mm-hmm. now. Like, you're getting variants. Every issue with The Walking Dead. Yeah, true. That was every cover of The Walking Dead for almost 200 issues. That's true. Very true. You would see a cool cover to it. You'd read through it. Like, God damn it. That's not even fucking close to what's going on. <laughs> it's just it's kind of... I thought that was something that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, now it's even more of a mystery just because you have this cool cover and it has nothing to do with what's going on. I think that's cool. They do a lot of the covers where they'll take a, uh, a character and they'll put him in some sort of other pop cultural landscape. It will be like... Wolverine, but it's the cover of, but it's the movie film poster of Mad Max, and it has nothing to do with the issue. You know, like they they do like, oh, you you like Mad Max, you like Wolverine. Well, here's Wolverine as Mad Max in this cover of this random Wolverine issue, uh, drawn by Scotty Young or something like that. You know, I think that's cool though when they do stuff like that. Yeah, like, me too. Because at least it's like set. it's great Waller. Like it's a it's a fun book to look at. I'd I'd, I'd rather that than just four different versions of of of, of a cover is like yeah. make it something fun oh yeah for sure but um oh, kind of threw me off. <laughs> what threw you oh, off? Damn, that button. Uh, <laughs> um kind of uh going back to the beginning of the show here i, I apologize we we kind of jumped right into it we didn't give you a chance to kind of explain travis why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what uh what you guys do over at comic comic exposure and kind of where they can find you and uh, just a little bit about your, your guys' show. Yeah. So we've been podcasting for a while. We're actually about to reach our uh, five years uh, podcasting. Uh, it's myself and my podcast partner, uh, Joshua Buckley. We used to teach together and right before I left the school, we both realized we like comics. And um, so we started podcasting, but the idea behind it at first in its original incarnation was uh, we would read a graphic novel or trade every week, and then we would get someone who typically doesn't read comics. Like maybe they had never read a comic before, or maybe it's, it'd been like 15, 20 years since they read a comic. And we would, Josh and I would read the trade, and we'd get them to read the trade or graphic novel, and then we'd sit and talk about it. So Josh and I would carry the the uh, the load as far as like, oh, yeah, I think this and this. But then we'd get the, the newbies, uh, the civilians' perspective on it, uh, and we'd talk about the medium of comics and what it brings to a story and so it was it was fun getting people on and sometimes they'd really light up and be like oh my god i like this i didn't know comics could be like that i'm like yeah and some of them still will will read they'll they'll pick up the comics from time to time or they'll come back and ask us for more suggestions but then we ran out of friends who hadn't read comics (laughs) so we had to change the format up a little bit so we still treat it as kind of like a graphic novel or trade book club we'll read uh, a standalone graphic novel or we'll read uh, a lot of we do a lot of first volumes like uh, we might read the first volume of black science and talk about that or southern bastards uh next week's um issue is going to be uh, uh miller's superman year one uh so we're reading those three oversized issues and so it's just a place to go if you if you if your world is very insulated, maybe you don't go to the comic book store, but you love comics, and you just don't have anyone around you who you can talk to about comics, uh, then you can go on to the podcast at comicexposure.com or on iTunes or podcast apps. And if it's a major trade or run or seminal piece of work, there's a good chance that we've done it. We've done a lot of the the major runs and um, and 
wall books that you'll see at a comic book store. So, you know, your Dark Knight Returns and all that stuff. So if you've read it and you want to hear someone break it down for an hour uh, and crack a few jokes, uh, then ComicExposure.com. There you go. And when, when do you guys normally record? Uh, it's on the weekend. We uh, I'm in Japan, uh, so it's a little bit harder uh, to sync up times. So uh, one of the reasons we don't do a video as well is because we don't have that weekly set time. So it's one week we'll do a comic book club, and then usually the next week we'll do a what we call a variant issue where we'll just kind of do what you guys are doing here. We'll just shoot the shit about the Mandalorian or like we'll, we'll pose scenarios like if you Thanksgiving dinner. Which comic characters do you invite? Which do you not? You know, that type of just stupid shit. Um, those actually get listened to more than the actual, like, educational comic book club <laughs> ones. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we are not as regular as you guys. Sometimes we skip a week. Sometimes it's two weeks. But uh, we try to get in grooves and things like that. <laughs> like uh, Tim in our chat just said when, about your original concept if you're a fucking hermit like Kyle you're gonna love that podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah you ever read, you read like a book and you're like man I like I want to talk about this but either like people are gonna make fun of me or I don't have any comic book friends so we'll be your friends we'll be your friends guys it's not what a podcast can be butterfly in the sky yeah. I can fly twice as high <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Uh, that's you got that on, that on Disney Plus? I would binge Rainbow, some reading right now. No, yeah, it's a, that's PBS, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I think. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about this week? Anything else on your mind, Kyle? I'm just Kyle, bummed Kyle's out. Kyle's having a dark night of the soul now. <laughs> I'm just bummed out. Two weeks in a row, I couldn't give this fucking book away. So you know what? Now I'm fucking keeping it, fuckers. There you go. Such a words. Such From a an emotional man. Yeah. <laughs> From a hermit. <laughs> From a fucking hermit. <laughs> you see this? I keep it now. I keep it. I'm keeping it. I tried to give it away. I tried really hard. You did? We got close, just not it. close enough. What do you guys got coming up? You guys got any anything big in the works as far as like you guys doing anything live or you guys doing anything special coming up? Fucking right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> We're yeah. live right now. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're going to do it on the back of like a milk truck or something like that. I don't know. We've got some stuff in the works where we're, we're planning some places where we're going to sit and do it live places. Nice. We got some stuff in the works. I think Chad's yelling at me in the chat. It's a renaissance kind of period. Cool. We're going like, through a uh, renaissance period. Yeah. Our boy uh, Kevin Smith does that. That um, One of his shows at that, what's that Star Wars theme cantina in, in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And you get people just kind of come in and, and chat around there. I thought that, that's a kind of a cool way to to do things. Yeah, like I said, we're, we've got some stuff in the works. We're trying to, uh, to figure some stuff out. But um, our next big event that we have coming up is Guys, don't forget our holiday specials coming up in a couple weeks. So we want to make sure you get those uh, favorite episodes in. Oh, and... You got to call us and let us know your. Uh... Are they calling again this year? Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to do calling or have them come on live. Uh, everybody, 
message Matt for his phone number so you guys can call in and he can leave him you can leave a message about your favorite moment. Fuck it, you guys can call me. You guys want my phone number? Cantina. Let me know and I'll figure out a way to get it recorded and so that because I like it. I don't want a goddamn email. I want you guys to call me. But like an old answering machine, you have to have a bit. It has to be a good bit to it. <laughs> Hi, you reached out that. from the Absolute Geek Podcast. George Costanza. <laughs> so, yeah, I like when we would play the uh, messages. I liked when Google would transcribe them, and then we would transcribe them the way Google said it, and then we would actually listen to their message. All right, so that then we'll, the that's what we'll do. We will post in the next couple of weeks. We will post a phone number for you guys weeks to call. And on fucking Monday. We will post a phone number for you guys to call in to leave on voicemails Monday. about your favorite episode from the past year. Uh, we're going to compile them and put them together in the, the holiday fucking special. Fucking better call. Yeah. Some goddamn phone calls. <laughs> You're in for you're in for some heartbreak, kids. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get one phone call and say, "Hi, Kyle, it's your mom." And yes. then your dad's just gonna say, "I'm so proud of you." Your dad's just gonna be like, "Howdy," and then hang up. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> Michael, you geek, better call. <laughs> Absolute geek, please hold. Please hold. <laughs> That's all our chat is, is right now is being spammed. Please hold. I'll say like Kyle's the Annie Potts. We got one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess that'll uh nothing, nothing <laughs> else. What you guys got anything other exciting coming up in comic exposure or uh we do a uh, we always do do a um <laughs> A, a Christmas list, like, hey, what are like the things that you want for Christmas? <laughs> like, geek stuff you want for Christmas? <laughs> and then, like, last year, I think a couple of family members started listening. So, I, like, we were like, holy shit, this is just like, this is just like a way to get shit. <laughs> now, uh, Tim, Tim's gonna get a bunch of calls about your vehicle warranty. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's expired. That's actually pretty interesting, though. The, your <laughs> geek Christmas list. Yeah, good things. Everyone, everyone's got a geek in their life that they're like, I don't know how to buy for this person. So that episode's all about like, hey, they'll probably like this. Or you end up with Dude, a, you end up with a Sony PlayStation controller mug, or you know, <laughs> Dude, they're like, uh, let me go to thinkgeek.com. Yeah, you end up with some crazy shit that you. Right. you uh, R2 cutting board. Oh yeah. my god! Right. Where's my Darth Vader rolling pin? Yeah. Uh, but guys, I want to thank you all for hanging out. Um, take account for nothing. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for hanging out in the chat tonight. I want to thank Travis for joining us and filling in for Corbin. Hopefully, we can uh, have him back real soon. Guys, check out. Yeah, comic. I'd love to have you guys on Comic Exposure too. We'll, we'll get a trader graphic novel. Absolutely, um, definitely yeah. love to do it. Kyle's always down to go on other sh shows. You just got to make sure you have a shirt for him because he hops. Oh, he yeah, hops sure. for shirts. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pod for shirts. Yep, we'll pod for shirts. Oh yeah, you give me a shirt, I'll fucking I'll do anything almost. I'll go on your show. <laughs> I like how drastically that declined from I'll do anything almost to I'll just go on your show. I'll just go on your show. Real well, I mean, it's only a fucking shirt. I can't say I do anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can clean up after using it. Uh, yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, but guys, check out Travis on Comic Exposure. 
Um, if this is your first time listening to us on YouTube, make sure to hit the like subscribe right. button. If you're listening to us on Monday and you just somehow found us, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes. And then iTunes. call in and leave something for us yes. for our holiday episode. Yes, we will be posting the phone number um, through the rest of the episodes till oh. of the year. To Michael have said we have in. to go longer. He's not drunk enough yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Obviously, he's not drinking the Gentleman's Jack. There you go. We we got to get you your own whiskey deal, Kyle. Yeah, no kidding. That's this sick. episode of Absolute Geek Podcast is brought to you by Jack Daniels, Gentleman Jack. We got to get a you. smooth <laughs> distilled whiskey. I don't even like Jack Daniels. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Are you a social you. pariah who likes a drink, Gentleman Jack? <laughs> Gotta get you that that whiskey deal. Maybe that's what we'll work on for 2020. Getting you a Mandalorian, deal. Mandalorian, Mandalorian. Yep, that's yeah. right. Keep keep on. That must be one of the drinking game words, huh? Mandalorian, <laughs> Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. But um, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast, guys. I'm Matt. I'm drunk Kyle. And I'm Travis. And we'll see you guys 